You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Hey everybody, it is Wednesday evening, time for American Winer on podcastdetroit.com. How the hell is everybody doing? I am back, had a bit of a rescheduling deal last week, so I ended up not being able to come in, but uh, I'm back now and with me, back for the first time since uh, way back in May, uh, is uh, Mr. Robert Tunnell. How are you doing, uh, Bob? I am. Uh, I am. I'm good. I'm. Uh, I'm hanging in there. It sounds like you're hanging in there too. You're in the middle of a uh, of a very busy promotions uh, uh, blitz for your movie Feast of the Seven Fishes, which you're going to tell us about. And uh, I'm. I'm so happy you were able to to make it here uh, before you slip into your coma that you were talking about. It feels like it feels like I'm like seconds away from uh, just shutting down completely. What uh, What exactly is so? I mean, like. What what's so demanding about it? is it just everybody wants your attention and it's just impossible to get to everyone? Oh, you know, yeah, but I mean, when you, you know, when you, you know, you make your film and like there's this whole bunch of you know stuff going on and then there's the the period you know you post your film and then you're and then you 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 shop you know you shop it to get a distributor and you know which we did and um, and then suddenly now you got to deliver it. And even though you finish the film, you know, there's little things that need doing. Like in my instance, you know, we, we got a new song we could put in. We had to, we did some, we wanted to make a few changes to uh, just a couple of things at the beginning and the end of the film. Um, and then the way that you have to deliver the film, both for, for example, you, you, you have to deliver the film for U.S. domestic distribution with all your titles intact. But for other territories, non-English speaking territories, you have to deliver a version that has no text anywhere so that they can put their own in their own language on on it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to deliver a mix that doesn't have any of the dialogue. It's just the music and sound effects. So that if they want to dub it in another language, you um, I have to do the commentary track for the Blu-ray and the DVD. Um, we're still working on the behind the scenes. We just had our first uh, preview screening. Uh, the closing event of the uh, West Virginia Italian Heritage Festival, which is a huge Italian cultural festival. Um, and that was just, it's just, it was a whole bunch of stuff. And in the middle of it, I just directed this music video and I'm trying to get it done. And yeah, it, so it's been, it's been, uh, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I can hear you struggling to, for the word There's to, a lot. you know, and we just, I mean, trying to get, I mean, everything you you have to be involved there are hours and hours of meetings and decision making on you know we were blessed the poster for the movie was was painted by robert tannenbaum who did the poster for a christmas story and feast of seven fishes is a christmas rom-com sort of thing so you know here we get to work with this guy and the design work that went into it um working with um our, our graphic designer michael cronenberg i mean weeks you know you just every single decision Literally, you know, the, what I have to approve, what goes on the DVD itself, literally the physical DVD, what image is going to be on there. I mean, I, it just goes on and on in the interviews and the, the various release. It just, it's just a lot of crap. <laughs> it's, a lot of stuff. <laughs> it's a lot of stuff that most people would never know about unless they were involved no. with it. No, no, it's uh, they don't teach you this in film school. I do remember, uh, uh, watching a buddy of mine work on like one shot from a movie and uh it was just it was just like a car like passing a house 
and the color correction and everything. He worked on that like all afternoon. It was just one. It was like a second of film. And uh, like that. So right there, the, the, the attention to detail that is required is just like I said, most people well, don't know it. about it. It sounds like what our mutual friend Franz did uh, on Seven Fishes. He did a he did a shot that was just so complicated, um, and um, it took him a lot more than a day on that one. Let me tell you, for just a, a POV, <laughs> the point of view of a house with Christmas lights on it. And, you know, um, it's funny at the at the, the screening that we had. There was a Q and A after the screening. And, I was saying to the audience, how my producers are like, you know, let them know that, you know, this is, a, this is like a really authentic, you know, Italian American love story. This is like real, this isn't like some comic book movie with a bunch of special effects. And I was like, um, dude, this actually was a comic book movie because seven fishes was a comic book before it was a movie. Yeah, it was a- and, <laughs> and if you put every film I ever did, even once I did it at Dracula, you know, I had Dracula and Frankenstein's mom. Crap. I had in these other movies has more visual effects 80s you're always like taking out right right like you yeah that's that's the thing like like i said the the shot that franz worked on i I saw that too and all he had to do was like you know get rid of a couple trees and you know put the lights on and all those things it sounded simple and execution but like you said it took him multiple days to do it um and that's funny though that they oh, said, "Oh, God, this is yeah. not a this is not a comic book movie." When you're like, "Well, first of all, it was a comic book, and because it takes place 30 years ago, almost 40 years ago now, uh, we it, there's going to be a ton of special effects because we got to we got to make it look like it took place in '83." All right, man. So uh, why don't you uh, just tell us about the the graphic novel that you wrote? Because this was originally a graphic novel, as you mentioned, um, and. Uh, just tell us about how you, it was inspired and, and what was writing it like and what was getting the novel out like. Well, originally, you know, all I, all I had wanted to do is when I, when I was making my first feature film, I came home. Um, I, I was in post and I just came home for Christmas and I decided to video my grandfather and my great uncles cooking the feast. And, and I had no thought of developing it beyond that. It was just to kind of preserve it. And I don't know, um, maybe eight or eight or nine years later i was like hey you know what i could do and i started playing around with the idea and um my manager at the time was not supportive and was like you should you're writing horror stuff you don't do this you you just set up a horror movie don't do this (laughs) and and so i one thing led to another and i just developed it as an online comic i was interested in daily comics i wanted to just see how they sort of work and um at the time i was obsessed with just comics in general and and working in them and and i just thought it was going to make me a better storyteller and i think i think it did and anyway you know the the online comic did really well and developed a really passionate fan base and so then i formed a company with my brother um to to put out the book we weren't getting any i couldn't i was writing a lot for image comics i couldn't get them to do it and i'm now in hindsight nothing against image but i'm really glad that i didn't because we kind of did everything the way we wanted it and the book, you know, was nominated for an Eisner for for best graphic uh, uh, best graphic novel reprint, um, which was a big deal. And I adapted it for a movie, and it took a long time. We we almost got the movie made in two thousand eight, and it didn't happen. And then um, and then somehow, you know, uh, it happened, and um, got an amazing cast, and and got to do it with complete control, which was which is just extraordinary. 
Right. How much? I have, the first thing I want to know is how much of the dialogue from the videos of your uncle and, and, and your grandpa, how much of that actually made it into the, the book and the movie? Oh, I'd say there's probably, you know, two a couple minutes of stuff that they said sprinkled throughout the movie. For sure. There's one one sequence, actually, may, maybe not that much, but there is one scene that's very almost almost verbatim uh, one exchange. Um, but a lot of it, I mean, you know, their 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 humor and just craziness was was burned into my brain for a long time. So sometimes maybe it's not what they said, but it's absolutely something they would have said, mm-hmm. you know. Well, just so just so everybody knows, the, just for frame of reference, Feast of the Seven Fishes. What that is is it's basically a Christmas Eve celebration um, where uh, Italian families eat eat a lot of fish. Um, it's like a, a Catholic uh, type thing because Catholics don't eat uh, meat on certain holidays. And right. uh, and the plot of this movie is is this uh, this young Italian kid in 1983 brings home an affluent Ivy League Protestant girl, and it's just about what happens. Um, so is is how much of this is I mean I know you said you got the uh a lot of the you, this was inspired by the videos that you took of your own family but how much of this is autobiographical in terms of like the main character Well you know it it he's not me at all um like he's really thoughtful and <laughs> like he's like real monogamous and like you know when he has a girlfriend it's just about her and he's not and I wasn't that evolved uh, you know I was more like I, I was just goofy I mean you know I was just into having a good time and, and partying with my friends. And, you know, I mean, I, I would have a girlfriend, but yeah, I wasn't, um, yeah, anyway, <laughs> say no I more. Mean, I mean, incidents is like this happened. I mean, I certainly brought, you know, blonde blue eyed girls home and got my great grandmother's disapproving stare. And, <laughs> um, but, um, you know, generally speaking, it just seemed like an, a fun way to explore the the cultural differences and it's just i love food and i thought all that was going to be a lot of fun and and it was you know it turned out to be that way and i do want to mention you know, you'll hear it drives me crazy we're already seeing it sometimes people go this is not uh this is not an italian thing we don't do this in italy and it's like um so what you're saying is four million italians immigrated to the united states scattered throughout the country and simultaneously, without being able to communicate with one another, with no phones or internet or anything, um, decided they were all going to suddenly start cooking fish on Christmas Eve. The reality is this is a southern Italian tradition. It's very much a real tradition. They don't do it in Tuscany. They don't, they don't do it in the north. It's a southern thing. Mm-hmm. But it's very much alive and very much a, a, a real thing. And that just always makes me laugh, you know, when I, when I hear that. And I'm like, oh, my God. You know, there's, there's just, what is it The Richard Pryor used to say? There was always one guy in the corner of the barbershop reading an almanac, just waiting for someone to make a mistake. Right, right. You know? The purity test sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but this, uh, this movie is, is, so people know, uh, it's, I mean, the cast is pretty stacked. Like there's, you know, the, Skylar Gisando is the main character. I know him from, uh, if you remember the Vacation movie that came out a couple of years ago, he was the older brother in that. Um, Madison Eisman uh, is the is the Protestant girl he brings home. She is mostly known for uh, she's been in a bunch of stuff, but she was the uh, the girl who gets the Jack Black avatar, I believe, in uh, in right. Jumanji. 
Uh, Josh Hellman is in it. He played uh, General Stryker in a couple of the X-Men movies. And he was in Mad Max Fury Road, which is, in my opinion, the best movie of the past 10 years. Um, Del Pantaleano is known for, as I mean, again, he's another guy who's just been in freaking a ton of stuff. But he, uh, Cypher from The Matrix is probably his most, uh, the, what, what the, the, uh, the average person will, uh, will know him from. Um, so th- there's a ton of people in this. So how did you bring oh all God, these people yeah. together? Um, you know, and, and I was told going in, this will never happen like this. You're not going to get all these people. In fact, I remember my, my, another manager of mine, like several years ago when I was trying to cast the movie and I said, I'd really like Joey Pants, you know, to play Uncle Frankie. And she goes, you will never get him. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, after a, a lengthy phone call where we did not talk about the movie, in fact, all Joey wanted to talk about was how I prepared my stuffed calamari. <laughs> After, at the end of the call, he's like, "All right, I'm going to do it." Um, you know, and we had Ray Abruzzo, you know, who's a little Carmine from The Sopranos, and he's just brilliantly funny. Paul Ben Victor from The Wire, he's in The Irishman now for Scorsese and on Entourage. I mean, Paul works just constantly, and Paul's apt. You know, we throw around this word "brilliant," and it, we way overuse the word "brilliant," but he's brilliant. You know, yeah. he spent a lot of time trying to become my grandfather and he, he did a fabulous job. And l- one of the people who's just stealing the movie is Lynn Cohen, who was Magda, you know, for years on Sex in the City. She was uh, Cynthia Nixon's uh, housekeeper, babysitter or nanny. And then she's, you know, Hunger Games and she played um, Cold in My Air for Spielberg in Munich. She's just wonderful, you know. And again, you know, Madison just did um, – uh, um, Annabelle, you know, which did 200 million worldwide. Now she's doing Jumanji again. Uh, Skyler's now doing the, the, uh, after Santa Clarita diet. Now he's on that. What is it called? The righteous gemstones. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, um, Addison Timlin, who's the girl in the kind of love triangle. Um, she's just incredible. It, it really, I mean, God, her audition just blew my mind. Um, Odd Thomas, I know a lot of people know Ad, Ad, Addie from that. And I know she was Annie on Broadway when she was a kid. I mean, it's a pretty remarkable – and then Andrew Schultz. If you don't know Andrew Schultz, he's uh, he's blowing up. He's a comedian, and he's really kind of pushing some boundaries, and he's so funny. Um, so, yeah, and there's others. I mean, there's some newcomers like Jessica Darrow really going places, so. Well, yeah, it's a cast. David David Calloway, you know, who was uh, one of the one of the guys that uh, in the Green Book who who um, mixes it up um, uh, um, with Vigo. Uh, he's just in all kinds of stuff. He's fantastic too. He's a, he's a villain in Roots. Um, he's become a really close friend, you know. And he he always plays the really rotten guy. So blessed man. Like I said, very very blessed. Yeah. Well, how long uh, how long was the the filming period on this then? How long did it take you guys to film? Um, I, you know, honestly, I mean, principal was, we, we, you know, we, we were able to wrap principal inside of a month, but I had 17 days of second unit because of the food and the weather stuff that I had to get. And the, a lot of the effects things I had to do with vehicles and stuff. So, you know, in the end, I, I mean, I, I think I shot 35 days when it was all said and done. Um, and, uh, I mean, it's, Wikipedia says that this is a this is a 2018 movie, and like you said, it's it took you. you it almost got made it's in 2008. Not, that's the dumbest thing. <laughs> that is the dumbest thing, and it's all IMDb's fault. 
and we can't get them to change it. How a movie, I mean, to be honest with you, even though I screened the movie this past Sunday night at the West Virginia Italian Heritage Festival, we were literally making picture corrections this morning in Hollywood. Really? Yeah, it is not done. It never was screened anywhere before last Sunday except to buyers. It's not true. I didn't I couldn't have released the film in 2018 if I'd wanted to. But on it and I probably shouldn't say this, but I, you know, IMDb has just become a mess in my opinion. I mean, we have extras putting their names up like they're cast members and we can't get them down. Um it, it it's I mean, I've sent now three personal appeals to IMDb begging them to stop saying this is a 2018 film, even though they say themselves it doesn't come out till November 15th, 2019, and they're saying it's a 2018 film. Yeah, how does that even work? Like, how the hell it, did that happen? Clearly, it's not working. Yeah. I, I could not tell you. I, I've just, I'm just, I've given up. I don't know how to do it. Shout, our distributor, Shout Studios, they're just defeated. Like, we just can't seem to get... Um. You know, I mean, I see my kid, student, the people I've taught in school before, you know, I, I see myself, they go, you produced this. And I'll be like, I didn't produce that. But some film student will put your name on it. And boom, there it is. And, mm-hmm. and they don't question that at all. Um, you know, I think it's become really diluted. Um, I'm sure that gets me in trouble for saying it, but whatever. Well, it's, it's like anything else. Like when everybody can do it, then all of a sudden there's, there's, it really is, becomes meaningless because like you said, if an extra puts every single project they've been on and they're, they're not even, they're not even on screen or they're, they're out of focus or whatever. It's like, we're, well, and you know, and I got to tell you, it's really not wise on their part because it really, really upsets casting directors. Mm-hmm. And like for me, I'm annoyed because my speaking actors, you know, good actors are buried under people who, you know, were extras, and and I just, I, I I don't know how to I don't know how to stop it. I've I've tried, and I'm just I'm utterly defeated. So you know, hey, IMDb, let's clean it up a little bit. Yeah, tighten it up. There we go. They'll do it now. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so t- tell me about the the. Um, after the movie was finished, because I mean, this has been a, a long process. You know, it was, it was, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it was the, the mid '90s when you were inspired to do this sort of thing. It sounded like, and then it's taken you a, a decade just to get the movie made. Um, I mean, and and here you are, like you said, you're, you're burned out. You're on the promotion uh, trail, and I mean, what's that? What's it been like now that it's you finally got it in your hands, and you have a release date that's that's bearing down on you. And you're just out trying to get it out there. You found your distributor. You found everything that you need, and you're still working on it. Um, so, I mean, what's that been like? I mean, what, I mean, obviously it's well, exhausting, it's been, but it's, it's it's been yeah, but it's been an, it, it, listen. I would have if I had been given you know a, a twenty million dollars ten fifteen years ago to make this movie, um, it wouldn't have been as good a movie as it is now. I mean, partially because I've grown as a filmmaker, but quite honestly. Technology is allowing me to do things that just, I mean, this film looks precisely the way I want it to look. Um, I got music. I, I'm stunned that I got the music that I wanted. I mean, everything worked out. I had this cast 10 years ago. You'll never get this cast. Well, yeah, I did better than the cast I was asking for 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, it, it, I mean, I, it, the thing is this. It's no one's fault but mine if it doesn't work. This is the movie I wanted to make. 
for the first time, well, there's one other I can say that about. I did a short that I feel that way about. But this is the movie that top to bottom, like I don't, I have no, I don't, I don't have nothing to apologize for. It is the movie I wanted to make. Doesn't mean you have to like it, but for better, for worse, it is, it is precisely my vision. And, um, so that's a great feeling. And I've enjoyed, you know, I've never in my life, I've gotten to the point where I'm just, I just really don't trust people. I mean, there's a whole bunch of things I think going on with us as a society that are bad for doing good work. Uh, for example, texting is causing everyone to lose the ability to spell. They just, they just, they spell check in their minds. They auto correct all the time. So they don't, instead of saying, Oh, look, that word's misspelled. They just re- repair it in their mind and move on. And that's affecting everything from credits to graphic sequences in a commercial I'm doing or whatever. So, you know, there's, I'm very, very paranoid now. And so I'm spending an inordinate amount of time and exercising an inordinate amount of control. And I still can't do everything. I mean, I know there are probably misspellings in the end credits. I just did not have the time to focus on that because I was doing so much to try to get the film done. Um, but I'm very invigorated in the screening that we had Sunday night. I mean, that, it just, it just, it didn't just screen in the theater. It detonated and the audience went absolutely nuts for it. I mean, I, I don't think I realized it. It's fine. I guess it's funnier than I even thought it was when I wrote it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so all of that is, it's just, it's very gratifying and it just, it just kind of feeds you to keep going. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to work. I'm going to work like a dog through the holidays to make sure that we take advantage of every opportunity. And because, you know, we're living in a world where, you know, they could throw 10, $20 million at the advertising of this film and it wouldn't move and it could possibly not move the needle at all. Mm-hmm. Like there's things that you have to do and things that I'm trying to do from a grassroots perspective that I feel like I will not have a day off until probably you know, early January, all in support of this film. That must, like you said, though, that, that must be, it's not just gratifying. It's sort of like, what else would you want to be doing anyway, though? You know what I mean? Like, this is what you wanted to spend your life doing. This is the story that you you wanted to tell. It's your vision, like you said. And just just those three things right there, it's like, if that, that must be great to be, I mean, to have that ability to to just be like, well, I'm not going to be off until January, January, but it's promoting this thing that I I really love. It's not like you're stuck with some project where you you have to pretend you like it, which I'm sure you've done before. Um, oh, but uh, oh, you've seen some of my commercials. <laughs> I, I love a lot of the. I love getting to do commercials. I love. I actually, I developed a skill a few years ago, finally, of convincing myself that whatever job I was on, I was going to love it and I was going to give it my all, which was something I didn't do early in my career. Mm-hmm to my detriment. And so, um, you know, I try to fall in love with everything that I'm doing, but yeah, this is different. And I, you know, I just couldn't live with the fact that maybe I had, um, not done every single thing I could do to support the film to the very best of my ability. And, um, and I'm, you know, I, I feel good right now. I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm very, I'm working very hard. Um, in support of the film. And I, I, I don't think I'll be, you know, riddled with guilt that I don't think I'll be asking myself if only, why did you do this or that? Cause I'm pretty much doing it. 
Right. Well, and and like I said, the you're you're only you're about two months away from the release. So I mean, you're almost there. And uh, and congratulations, man. I mean, it's 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 awesome. From even from what I know, you know, just being around TV production and and and, and film production my entire life, it's amazing that anything gets made at all. Let alone when something works works well and is and is 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 uh, you know the artistic expression that the person who set out to make it actually wants you know or yeah, wanted so from the true. beginning. It's so true, and I have to tell you, like a lot of my workforce, like my brother and I, I mean, we built our team. Um, not everybody. I mean, my DP is a friend of thirty years. He's incredible, very talented guy. Um, but a lot of our heads, like my, my editor, our line producer, I mean, these are guys that, you know, um, I, I had them and I was teaching in film school. I had them. I, um, they have worked at my company now for, you know, a number of years on a variety of projects. And it's really gratifying to look around and go, man, I got this team and these guys are badass. Uh, guys and girls. It's not just guys. I just I throw guys around ubiquitously. But um, you know, we kind of have we've we've built a unit that is nimble and savvy technologically and passionate, and you know, it devoted to me getting what I want, and um, it's just it. we're i'm reaping the benefits right now of that and so that's just that's another aspect of this that's incredibly rewarding yeah and you continue it continues to expand too you continue to bring other people in you're doing you're doing music videos now like you mentioned um Mm -hmm. uh, you just had franz work on a music video he showed me uh, this country music video gorgeously shot now oh yeah you like that this guy this guy uh, charles wesley godwin is just awesome rolling stones raving about him i mean this song is just He's so good, I, and I'm so excited about it. It's and um, well, I'm glad you like the looks of it. You know, I'm, I'm, and I'm waiting on the last one, Franz, and I did the Water on Mars piece hasn't released yet, hmm. which is totally different, totally different from what I'm doing with Charles, or you know, or certainly different from Feast. It's pretty whacked out. Um, I'm just not sure when it's going to drop. Yeah, that's but the yeah, thing. You've had such a, a varied career. You, you've, 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 like you said, you were doing this. Uh, you were known for horror stuff, and I mean, you still are. But your your uh, manager was like, "Do not do this. This is like Wes Craven doing music of the heart. You know, it won't, uh, <laughs> yeah. it won't, yeah. it won't compute." Um, but I mean, here you are, and you, like I said, it continues to expand. So that's, uh, I mean, and and you still got the the film school as well. So that's uh, is, uh, just pretty much every single. Uh, avenue you could possibly explore you're you've gone down and and, yeah, and I, now I you're talking this. to me i love i love teaching i mean i you know i i i only you know i'm only able to teach a couple of classes a week right now but i, I hope i never have to stop um because i really i actually think it just makes me better um i like the interaction i like the way that it forces me to get out of my generational headspace and and it's forced me to you know, to stay current on technology. And there's just, it's just, I don't know. It's fun to teach. I mean, I, you know, I, I, if, I mean, I obviously I would never choose it over getting to actually make stuff, but if you can do both, you know, it's, it's a gift and um, I'm going to keep doing it as long as I can. And the, the Romero, you know, I, 
I'm the director of the George A. Romero Filmmaking Program um, outside of Pittsburgh at, uh, at uh, Douglas, uh, you know, the same guys that have the Tom Savini Special Effects Program. Mm-hmm. It's an it's incredible facility and great people, and um, it's just fun. You know, I would I, – I, I hate the idea of ever, like, just having to leave. You know, I just hope I never have to. And trust me, you don't teach for money. <laughs> There's, right. That's not why you do it. You better love it. I have a teacher on next week, so, yeah, I know, I know all about yeah. that. Um, but it's cool. So, uh, well, Feast of the Seven Fishes comes out November 15th, uh, like we said. Um, and uh, I will be seeing it, and I, I would encourage my audience to go see it as well. Um, especially if you're Italian, because you may see your own family up there. It might be, it sounds like it's one of those movies. Uh, so, uh, but there was one thing, uh, Bob, that I wanted to talk to you about. I saw another friend of ours uh, back uh, a couple weeks ago, and he said, uh, he told me something about you. He said, you have to talk about the Hammer horror films with, uh, with Bob, because he, he absolutely loves them. And it's the reason I'm bringing this up <laughs> is because he told me that, and I'd never seen any of them. I was familiar with them. Those are the, the old movies with Christopher Lee as Dracula and, and Peter mm-hmm. Cushing. And, um, mm-hmm. And uh, I went home and just – I was looking through my DVD collection and I had a collection of Hammer Horror films <laughs> just that had been sitting there. I didn't even know I had it. So I watched them okay. last uh, – this, this past week. And um, you watch? What did you watch? I, I watched uh, Dracula slash Horror of Dracula, Dracula Has Returned from the Grave, and um, The Curse of Frankenstein. Um, That's three really good ones, man. Horror of Dracula is like – that's really important to me. And – um. Probably one of the five most important films in my life. Well, um, that, why why is that? Like, why did those particular well, ones speak yeah, to you? That, that one, that one in particular, because it it's sort of you know it detonated at a point. You know, you're about eight years old, and I actually saw it before I saw the Lugosi one. And I just to, to, honestly, I was very much drawn, um, particularly to Peter Cushing, but also to Christopher Lee. But I loved Peter Cushing. I, I loved that he was that he could be smart. He could out, you know, he was a good dude. His characters were generally good guys, smart guys, men of action, you know, and it was like, wow, here's a smart guy that can also be physical if he has to be. And he was just, he was just such a gifted actor. Um, And, um, and, you know, over time I started, you know, recognizing these, um, these two guys in a lot of movies. And I kept noticing these movies were really beautiful and really sort of creepy for the time. And, you know, I mean, they're, they're not, nearly as visceral as stuff is now, but at the best, the best of them, you know, horror of Dracula, brides of Dracula, um, uh, curse. Uh, well, I would say, uh, the mummy is wonderful. Um, Dracula, Prince of darkness is really good. I do love Dracula's risen from the grave. Freddie Francis directed that. Um, it's, it's a, it's a pretty interesting, funny. I think it was a very influential film. Certainly. I'm, I know Scorsese talks about how it influenced him. Uh, but mo- mostly the films that were directed by Terry Fisher, Terrence Fisher, are mm-hmm. the ones that, that affected me the most. You know, The Devil Rides Out, which is this incredible, really great um, film about, it was like a s- Satanist kind of a plot, you know. But they're just, uh, you know, they were lovely to look at. I loved color, you know, as a kid. I mean, I, these films were just gorgeous to look at. And um, and I think as a young kid, you know, they were they were kind of sexy, you know. And the, the, the women were beautiful and... Um, and and you know and you it was titillated by the gore you know there was a little bit of blood and and there was just action you know I don't know they were they I just fell in love with them and uh, um they kind of triggered an, an interesting in gothic literature with me and 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 then 
you know, kind of early 19th century history and it just set off a whole lot of things. And eventually, you know, I, I did a comic book series a few years ago called Flesh and Blood that was very, very well reviewed. Um, like Del Toro loves the, loves those books. Um, and they were sort of, you know, I kind of, with Neil Vokes, we sort of established the, the, um, a universe very much modeled after the hammer, um, ideal. And then we just kind of took the stories in places we wanted to take them. And unfortunately I haven't been back to the book since like 2012. Um, I just, just haven't had time, but yeah, I'm pretty fanatical. Yeah. Well, those, those, uh, I didn't know those movies introduced things like fangs on vampires and like the, like you said, the gore, like those, those, uh, the very celebrated, um, blood spatters on the on dracula's uh, coffin in the opening credits and things uh that was for the time that was very that was visceral you know that was that hadn't been done before oh the, the the graphic you know nests of the and also the the overt sexuality of it you know bella lugosi had his smooth 19 you know 1930s type uh type dude thing going on but this was a way more again for the time for 19 i think dracula uh the horror of dracula was 58 um, right. That was, I mean, that was about as far as you could push the envelope and still have a mainstream movie. No, it was very interesting. You know, the movie comes out like right or, you know, close to like the era of the Kinsey report. It was like, mm-hmm. you know, all the, all the universal classics, you know, the, the, the Dracula's, the Frankensteins and that were really, you know, they were fairy tales and they were German, you know, heavily inspired by German expressionism. And they were, um, <clears throat> I mean, on occasion, some like like Dracula's Daughter or The Old Dark House were more sexualized, but for the most part, they really weren't. Um, and and yet, I you know I adore them. I mean, it, a lot, but I think it's a lot of time it's the visual aesthetic, and they were driven by the visual. And then you know, in that because there's a whole bunch of like genre, you know, subgenre or, or archetype. How do I want to say that? You know, there are different types of schools of of horror and fantasy cinema that, you know, they were very attractive to me. Like I love the Val Luton pictures that he did at RKO in the forties, like the cat people. And I walked with a zombie in those films. Um, in fact, I'm reading at band sex, huge, finally getting around to read this giant biography of Val Luton. Cause I'm just, I just love what he did with those films. And those films actually, um, do at least start to look at, at, at least in some of them, uh, sexual dysfunction. um, but you know, Hammer would be, you know, would be would just be all out, you know. <laughs> it's like Hammer was sort of like maybe had Hugh Hefner on speed dial. They were I don't know they were doing there's and definitely way more Freudian. Uh, you know, there you were. This, this, everything is sort of um, there's a whole lot of penetration going on one way or another. I to- totally. I mean, the whole the whole those sequences where like these girls just cannot stop. They're like open the window and ha- I have to let him in, you know, and then she's lying back and taking every, you know, t- opening her, her, uh, her blouse and, and taking the cross off and, and, you know, just lying there with her neck exposed, like looking at the window, just fuck me, daddy. You know, like, you know, well, how about like Melissa, Melissa Stribling, you know, who plays uh, Mina Homewood in, in Dra- in the of Dracula in the first one, you know, they're outside, you know, guarding the house and Dracula's hiding in the basement going upstairs, you know, laying around yeah. on the bed. That's right. And in the morning, they're all like, man, you look good. And she's like, oh, yeah, I'm great. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, and, and her husband's like so prissy and you're like, this guy's never seen her naked. Yeah. And Dracula's like, well, sorry, bro. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, 
but yeah, and and you know, Fisher really there was a lot he was trying to do, and he was exploring. You know, he kind of grasped the, the 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 duality of it all and explored that. I think in a really really marvelous way. I recommend to people, there's a book by David Peary, P-I-R-I-E, um, called uh, A Heritage of Horror. It was published about 73, 74. Uh, and it is an, it, it really is an inspiring bit of work that explores the British horror cinema, you know, from the late forties to, to the early seventies. But, and it, and it really puts it, it really looks at the literary roots of it because of the, the, the the universal stuff you know was born of the visual and and a lot of which had to do frankly with James Whale in particular and things they'd seen in the mm. war and 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 but Hammer was they went back to the books um, because they had to they didn't want to get in copyright problems you know with with Universal so they they would go back to Dracula to Frankenstein uh, um, uh, to uh, Werewolf of Paris, whatever book they were, you know, adapting or whatever, you know, character, whatever public domain character they were exploring, and they would, um, they would really rethink it, and 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 it seemed to make it more grounded, you know, in a lot of ways. And I kind of like that. I don't, you know, I'm not, I'm never going to be uh, like I would say, I'm not the whimsy guy. You know how they Truffaut said, you know, we're all either descended from Georges Millier or. Or um, what's their names? The Lumiere brothers. Um, I need my fantasy to be grounded in reality, and I love I love Georges Melier. By the way, I love Trip to the Moon and that. But I'm not, you know, I'm never. Uh, all due respect to his talent, I'm never going to be a big. You know, my favorite Tim Burton film is Ed Wood, which is uh, the least Tim Burton. Film. Mine too. To me, far and away his most interesting film. Um, I'm way more, you know. Uh, George Romero's Martin to me is is probably more where my head lies than, um, in in the modern sense anyway. You know, I, I like I really like the plots, but so I loved The Witch. You know, a couple of years ago. Oh yeah, yeah. There's a whole new crop of uh, of of directors, young directors that are just hitting their stride now. Ari Aster is probably the the most famous one now because of Hereditary and Midsummer this year. Um, Robert Eggers, mm-hmm. who did The Witch, he's got The Lighthouse coming out this year. Yeah, I'm very excited to see The Lighthouse. Um, it's just there's just something there's something very clean about his work, and I like I like which now they're throwing around the you know the folk horror type thing because I'm but I'm a big fan of like Witchfinder General and Blood on Satan's Claw and The Wicker Man, and I I like to see us I like to see cinema getting to those um, you know exploring those tropes and it just. It's just, it's just cool stuff. Well, we need another like good vampire movie to sort of reset the vampire thing. Because Twilight, I mean, you can bitch about Twilight all we want, you know, but that was that was, I mean, that was 15 years ago now that that book came out. Um, and uh, there, but there really hasn't been a good horror vampire movie. Well, you, you know, but I, I but I gotta say, I think the reason is is look, we van- we we retrofit vampires to do what we need societally. You know, I mean, vampires died after, I mean, they just went, really went away after the atomic bomb dropped because it's like, you know, you've had, you've had hundreds of thousands die in a, in a blink of an eye and we're supposed to be scared of a guy in a tuxedo. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it just didn't make sense. And then, you know, as we said, Hammer, you know, brought it back, but said, okay, now we're going to use vampires to look at sex. 
And that, you know, by the end of the 70s had gotten to the point that you had love at first bite. It was becoming a parody. But at that point, we started seeing Dracula turning into a hero. You know, it started in the in the Marvel comics in the early 70s. I mean, Dracula becomes this sort of anti-hero and and you know he then he becomes the you know the he he's he's misunderstood it's all about his lost love he just wants his life he's, he's the ultimate lover he wants to cross oceans of time for you and then you know uh, in into the 2k years where much like what singer did with the x-men it you know vampires became a way to explore alternate lifestyles and and you know i think it be, there was a lot of um there was a way to kind of call attention to, for example, the gay community could could embrace the the vampire imagery, um, and that goes back to really Anne Rice. I think was the first person to sort of, kind of instinctively, recognize that that she could use that to maybe tap into some deeper stuff, and and I think you saw that kind of, um, you know, happen during Buffy and. True Blood obviously was going there, and I right. that fascinates me. So at some point, yeah, they'll retrofit, they'll retrofit Dracula to do something else. I mean, I somewhere I have a, a cool Italian comic book, black and white comic book from the '90s where they they put Dracula. They told the whole story, but they put it in space, huh. and it's and it's cool, you know. Well, yeah, um, that like you said, I think True Blood was the was sort of the last. Uh, at a, a vampire sort of adaptation where they're they're taken seriously as vampires and like you said they're retrofitted for modern times it's like they like you said the gay community uh uh sort of uh parallel and and but th- for the most part it's been they're either superheroes like you said with like underworld or there was the luke evans dracula that came out they tried to make the dark universe happen for universal um and uh or it's a parody like what we do in the shadows uh the Ta- taika waititi uh movie that came out um in uh, 2015 which is fucking hilarious if you haven't seen that have you seen right. that no or it's, or, no but it's also like what no and i haven't seen it yet and i need to but it's also like with sean of the dead yeah you know there comes a point but what i like about that approach at least with sean of the dead it was one of the things that i didn't like like i really and this is gonna guess you didn't even say these things but like i did not like scream oh like, i love Wes craven okay and i love the early stuff but it the, that that sort of self devouring self parody, um, I, I it I, to me I I don't know I didn't feel the affection, whereas Shaun of the Dead parodies, but there's so much affection and sincerity that if anything, zombie movies have actually done better. Zombie materials done better in the wake of Shaun of the Dead, not worse. Um, it didn't take the piss out of it so much as it actually just put it under a magnifying glass and said this is the stuff we love and this is why we love it you know i don't know i mean maybe i'm wrong about it but it no i i agree and, and the thing with scream is like scream was such a 90s horror movie like that was the quintessential 90s you know ironic commenting on itself self-aware type mo- type serial killer movie teen slasher and uh and it, I think it worked for the time. I mean, I I, I like it. I, I'll admit I like Scream. Um, well, you know, but I do think I think it's a generational thing too. And I don't have the nostalgia. I think that Scream works because of a of nostalgia for '80s horror. Mm-hmm. That someone like me, who in the '80s was nostalgic for '50s, '60s, '70s horror, didn't feel. You know, I was a huge, right. and I was just I was a big like Argento fan and Bava fan, and I. I like those things actually better than, you know, I wasn't, 
were people here were freaking out about Friday the 13th. I, I wasn't really freaking out about it because I'd already kind of, my head was already screwed up from, from bird with a crystal plumage and deep red and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like I just, I was already jacked up. I did, that didn't really break new ground for me. I was, I was, there was already something wrong with me. I think. <laughs> at that point. Well, what do you, so I think there's that. I mean, you know, I like, you know, I, I, there's just not a lot of horror that interests me lately. The witch did. Um, it's been a few years, but I love the woman in black. I thought it was just cool. I thought it was scary and cool and it was visually really wonderful. And I just enjoyed it. Uh, immensely well what do, what do you see happening with with horror like then what do, what do you think the next trend will be you know i'm probably the worst person to ask now because i sort of wrote myself out um and you know for me i just have so much so many concerns about climate change and some other things that are happening to to the world that i'm sort of uh i sort of think i feel maybe like the way people felt after, you know, after the atomic bomb, I'm like, man, I just feel like I got bigger problems right now. Mm -hmm. Um, but that being said, I mean, I may do a horror picture or two, uh, yet. And like one of the ones that I'm seriously looking at doing is, um, cause I just want to have fun. I I guess that's what I want to see in horror again is fun. Um, uh, and by that, I don't mean, being goofy i mean just where it's still scary and it's creepy but it's just fun you know like when you're a kid like not that it's some great movie but like when we were kids like we loved that that movie frogs you know which is <laughs> you know it was like this is all this environmental horror but there was something about it was fun i mean like i love Witchfinder general i think it's amazing it's not fun the horror of dracula is fun um Witchfinder general not fun um but brilliant and i love it um but like I want to do this – I did a comic book years ago called The Wicked West and it's basically if, you know, the outlaw Josie Wales rode into Salem's Lot. That's basically your log line and, and it's just cowboys and vampires and it's – I just want to see that. But I don't mean that – I don't know that that means anybody else is thinking that way or where it's going to go. It's, it's hard for me to say. I mean I – you know, the stuff that I'm thinking that I want to make, I just – I don't even know if any of it anybody would want to see. All I can do is make stuff that I want to see, you know. Well, yeah, and you, and you've got uh, you've got your current project now, uh, Feast of the Seven Fishes, which is coming out on uh, again the fifteenth of November. Um, well, you know, by the way, you know what's going to happen, don't you? What is? I was told when I went to make the movie that I couldn't do it because I'd either directed children's films or written horror. Now, if I go to make a horror movie, they're going to go, you can't do that. You can only do romantic comedies. Yeah, <laughs> Christmas romantic comedies. That's what's going to happen. Now you've now. really pigeonholed yourself. You're yeah, stuck with yeah. one holiday now, too. <laughs> I, I know. Oh, I'm waiting. Although somebody said on the movie, they go, hey, maybe Hallmark or uh, Hallmark will offer you a movie. And my cameraman's Australian. He looked over at me and he goes, they would hate you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, man. Well, um, Bob, thanks again so much for coming back on. We're at the top of the hour here. Um, so, uh, hang on the line and I'll, uh, I'll give you a proper goodbye when we're, when we're done. But, um, again, it's always such a pleasure to talk to you. Um, I wish you the best with Feast of the Seven Fishes. I mean, you've already accomplished so much with it and I'm sure it's going to do great. So, um, so we'll, we'll see you out there. Uh, But uh, everybody else, uh, I will be back next week. Uh, I have a a teacher coming in, a middle school teacher. Um, I actually, she wasn't my teacher in middle school, but she taught in the classroom next to mine. She's uh, still friends with some of my friends. And so we're going to 
have her on talk about teaching and all the the thrills of uh, of the classroom. So join me then. Uh, be next Wednesday, same time, same place, seven to eight here in Royal Oak. This has been American Winer on podcastdetroit.com.